Hey Puffs, welcome back to the lounge. For those of you who are new, welcome to the Puff community. We are your hosts, Ellie and Dulce. And just like last week, today we're going to talk about our personal healing journeys. So I'm excited to keep this conversation going because I feel like we touched on some like pretty difficult topics last episode, but I feel like these topics today are going to be just as difficult, if not a little bit more. Right. So, and I honestly think that even the most difficult topics could create the most interesting conversations. I agree. And just like we said in the last episode, it's things that need to be talked about. It's things that people need to hear more of to be able to relate. And I think this particular episode is going to defer to the last one. As far as I feel like it's going to be more helpful because we're going to go into detail about how we are overcoming certain things. And I think that's what helps. Yeah. Be- learning from like different, learning different perspectives from different people saying how they made it work for them. And kind of, at least this is the what I used, right? I took different perspective, perspectives from people, different techniques from people. And I didn't take it all from just one person. I kind of combined from like 20, 30 different people and I kind of turned it into my own, you know? Mm -hmm. So hopefully this gives y'all the chance to do the same thing, you know? Right. So last time we kind of talked about like what, what, what made us feel like we wanted to start their journey, how we started. And we went into a lot of detail on those two main questions But what we didn't get to talk about is the question of what was the hardest part about going through the process. So what would you say on your journey, you know, what we spoke about last time, what would you say is the hardest part that you have had to deal with? I think the hardest part in my journey was having to face certain things in my life face certain fears because I know that for a long time I used to kind of just ignore certain things that happened in my life because in my head it was if I ignored it it didn't it wasn't there you know it would just go away on its own out of mind out of sight out of sight out of mind I always say it backwards Yeah, so out of sight, out of mind, that was kind of like the motto I basically went by or lived my life by. But the thing is, even though I ignored it temporarily, it would always come back and it would resurface again time and time again. Because obviously, if it's something you haven't worked through, life is going to keep bringing it up until you've learned from it. Mm -hmm. And I was just very stubborn. I didn't want to learn certain things or I just let me put it this way I just wasn't ready to and having to face that look myself in the mirror and actually have those conversations even if it was just with myself like if I needed to have those difficult conversations with myself I it was it's hard to do you know uh, to kind of call yourself out on things because obviously whenever you're being called out on certain things especially by another person i feel like if it you're calling yourself out 
like if you're doing it to yourself like it's a little bit harder because as as your own individual you're you tend to be a little bit more critical on yourself than you are to others and so it was just easier to ignore it and since that was the easiest thing for me to do facing it head on and doing something about it to change it was probably the hardest thing mostly because there was just so much fear was it the fact that you had to finally admit yes there's a problem and not just because i think what you said was very important because i think that's a way a lot of us deal with problems especially with mental health problems we think you know if we just don't think about it it's not going to affect me and though that can be true for small things i think when it's bigger issues when it has to do with trauma or something really major that happened in your life that affected you just because you're not actively thinking about it doesn't mean it's it's not going to affect your future self you know right and if you just keep pushing thing after thing after thing like you just said life won't stop shit gets thrown at you at all times so that is just gonna pile up and just because you're not thinking about it doesn't mean it's not there and instead of you dealing with it you're just making yourself more probable to explode in the near future or later future but all that is going to come out no matter what Mm -hmm. so it's do you want to do a little at a time or do you want to make it all explode at once right right i think that by ignoring an issue that's going on in your life when you ignore it it'll resurface in your life again continuously but the only thing is it's not going to pop up the exact same way it's going to pop up in a different situation with a different person it's just going to you're repeating the exact same cycle but you're just doing it in a different manner so i can give you kind of like an example for myself so one of my one of my biggest fears was and i feel like this is just like hearing it out hear myself say it out loud makes me want to say to myself like why would you be scared of that all you have to do is do it you know but it's easier said than done you know yes so on the last episode i did touch bases on one of the things that did help me move through my healing journey was whenever i changed jobs one thing that i will admit to is i didn't really make the i wasn't i feel like i I don't think i tried hard enough in the beginning to leave that job to apply to other places or by applying to other places mostly because out of fear of because I don't know if that job is going to be good for me you know I would have to I was already comfortable although I was miserable at that job at Chipotle I was already comfortable with it you know I knew the people I knew the job I had to do I knew the day the moment that I would walk in into the store I knew what kind of day I would be having as miserable as I was, I already knew the outcome. Misery. Right. <laughs> and thinking about a different job, it scared me. I will say, I'll admit to that. It scared me because it was a job that I didn't know what that would look like because obviously I had never worked at any other place before, you know? And that was one of the fears. And on top of that, it was also leaving the people. Or the people that I had already created a, like a bond or a connection with at that job was another fear was leaving those people and being scared to having to create new ones from scratch at the new place too. And like I said, I do have 
social anxiety so that's not exactly an easy task for me so but i mean i managed to do it i mean i faced my fears and i think one thing that certainly did help in that particular situation i started thinking about it in rather than thinking about it like what am i going to do backtrack there was this time where there was like this sound circulating through tiktok it was from uh, robin williams I believe it was it was from a movie and someone asks him i don't know what i'm going to do tomorrow and robin williams responds how exciting i started looking at life or different situations in that kind of same light like i don't know what's going to happen and his response of how exciting made me look at it in the sense of like well i don't know what's going to happen which means i have endless opportunities to turn it into something i want it to create so i have power i have control over how i can make it work for myself how i can make it better for myself so i mm-hmm. think that also helped me through changing that self-dialogue or that self-narrative about those changes because humans are just habitual people we like our habits we like our comfort zones you know once we find them we kind of just want to stay there you know it's hard as much as we like change from time to time sometimes whenever it's changed we don't want it's very hard to go through those changes Mm -hmm. so i think también like you said especially because the feeling that you're so used to is misery i don't know why i feel like that's one of the hardest things to get out of like misery sadness all those associated emotions i feel like are so comforting which makes no sense and we've touched base on this about how depression becomes so comforting and getting out of it seems so scary sometimes now that i'm not necessarily in that phase saying it and thinking about it is crazy but when you're in it it's just that's all you want to feel and i think it's so funny how whenever you have kind of those episodes i don't know if you do it i do it and i've seen a lot of posts so i know a lot of people other a lot of other people can relate is that whenever you're feeling sad and miserable you put on sad and miserable music yes to make it worse (laughs) yes because it feels good yeah like what kind of shit that don't make no sense i know like (laughs) you would think you'd be putting like some happy music to like get you out of it but like no like i like to listen to the sad music because it's comforting like i'm not the only one that's sad right So So for you, you would say the hardest thing has been facing your fears and getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, that that would be my hardest thing. Mm -hmm. What would you say your hardest challenge would have to be? For me specifically, so I did, you know, kind of recap, spoke spoke on it last episode that I think my healing process had a lot to do with my biological father because him exiting my life surprise made a big impact on my life and i feel like that caused a lot of childhood trauma leading into adult life problems you know whether that be emotional in my relationships i mean almost in every aspect it has affected me and so because i was so directed towards my father i feel like one of my biggest or my hardest obstacles in this journey has been to forgive my father because the way I would see it when I first started this journey was he doesn't deserve forgiveness 
why should I give him that, uh, you know, like out of me? And it took me years of processing it, you know, hearing it. My mom, my mom was the very first one to tell me, you know, forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. But when she would first tell me, I'd be like, BS, like, you know, of course it's for him. Like, why do I need to forgive him? He doesn't deserve my forgiveness. And she would tell me all the time, like, that's not what it's for. That's not what forgiveness is about. It didn't take me, I think, until my adult life when I, when you start seeing life different because as a teenager or even in your early 20s, Life is honestly so different in your mind than when you're mid-20s. And that's what I am now because, honestly, I think this happened not too long ago. Like, it's been a minute, but also happened pretty recently where I finally was able to see that in a different light. And I was able to see that, yeah, forgiveness is not for him. It's for me because whether I'm mad whether I'm at peace, whether I forgive him, whether I don't, he has no idea. I don't have contact with him. He doesn't try to contact me. I never, like we live in two different countries. So whatever I decide to do with my emotional state literally affects him in no type of way. So me always being angry, me being sad, me being whatever you want to put on it only affects me. And so, like I said, it wasn't until my mid-20s when I finally realized that and I said, no, you're absolutely right. Forgiving him affects me and benefits me because do I want to be mad and sad all the time or do I want to be at peace? And so I think my biggest obstacle, you know, the hardest thing for me to do was realize that. Not the forgiving part. I think that that part came easy after my mindset changed. I think the hardest part for me has been changing my mindset. And yes, it started with that, but it trickles down to other things. When you start to really realize what you're in control of and what you're not in control of. I think that's one of the most amazing techniques I have used for anything in my life. And that's going to kind of come down to our next topic in conversation because we want to give some examples and some things that we've used as far as techniques to what has helped us. And I think one of those techniques that I have used a lot is because I'm a visual person. So you hear this all the time. You're in control of your life. You control blah, blah, X, Y, and Z. Don't let it affect you. And if you, if you can't control it, out of mind, out of sight, you can't if you can't control it, why keep thinking about it? Keep thinking about it because obviously you can't change it. But, and so I would hear that a lot, but it wasn't until I saw literally a diagram of it. I saw a post of it and it had, what are they called? When it's two circles. Um, I was going to say pie chart, but that's not right. A diagram? It's a diagram, isn't Just it? Just a diagram? I think so. I feel like there's another word before it. But anyway, I, it was literally a diagram. A circular diagram. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about, right? The one with the three circles and they yeah. overlap each other. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I can't remember how it was designed, but it had circles in it, I believe. And on one side, it said things I can control. On the other side, is things I can't or things that are out of my control. Wait, was it like a circle within a circle within another circle? Maybe. So I think I've seen that one. Now you got me confused because I don't Sorry, know. It was no, no, something with circles and diagrams. Yeah, but point is I saw it in a picture. And I'm a very visual person. And so hearing it, hearing it over and over again won't do nothing to me. 
most of the time, sometimes it will, but most of the time it won't do anything to me unless I physically see it in some shape, way, or form. And so when I saw that post, it's literally everything I had been hearing from my mom, from my therapist, things like that when I ask for advice and, you know, people tell you, well, it's out of your control, like, don't worry about it. But it wasn't until I saw that picture and it just had like a list of things you're in control of, things that are out of your control. And one of the things that were in your control are things like, your emotions, the way you react to things, the way you talk to yourself, things like that, you know? I don't necessarily remember everything on it, but it was things that you're in control of, obviously. And things out of your control is how people react to you, how people feel about you, the way people criticize you. So it literally has to do with other people. And once I started taking that and putting it into almost all of the aspects in my life, that's when I was like, Oh, yeah. And a lot of things actually began to change mm -hmm. as far as in my mindset. And that trickles down to your peace, your state of mind. Because if you're always worried about things you can't control and just mad, anxious, at the end of the day, the outcome is not going to change. So you're just going to continuously be mad, sad, depressed, anxious, you know, until you get into that mindset. And you and it's hard work. You have to train your mind. That's when things start to change. Yeah, you have to you have to work through it literally 24-7. This is not something that you can like do in like 15 minutes. Like, no, this is continuous. And I think the hardest part about that is actually catching yourself in the act whenever you're thinking that negatively in that way. Right. Because holding yourself accountable. Right. Because whenever you're thinking negatively, especially whenever you're first starting in your healing journey, your negative mind is the one that was always constantly on a loop in your head. So that's the one that you're used to. So since that's always been there for you or it's been there for a very long time, that's the one that you're used to. So you don't exactly acknowledge it. That's just, it's there to mm -hmm. you. It's there. And it's hard to catch it in the act because you're already so used to it. And it takes... You really have to make the effort to catch yourself speaking to yourself negatively. And what has helped me, and I worked with through this with Nereida, she had given like, she likes, or I don't know if she does this with you, but like she'll give me like little homeworks to do whenever, mm -hmm. um, after our, like our therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. And one time she had asked me to turn, um, we were working on my self-criticism, the way that I viewed myself or the way that I saw myself in a way, because we were talking about um, how I would describe myself and a lot of them were very negative views. And it always made me feel very sad and angry with myself. So what she ended up doing, she gave me the homework to turn all of those things that I would see myself as, turn them into a positive light. And if I couldn't see it in a positive light, at least turn it neutral. And I kind of used that certain technique throughout the other things. Like just in general, if my mind went to like a negative mindset, I would either turn it into a positive or neutralize it. I mean, I think that's a really cool technique within itself. Mm -hmm. I think that's a two-part homework. So if you kind of want to talk about the first part, just talking to yourself first and writing down like... Just sit down and say, what do I think about myself? Mm -hmm. And write it down. Because I think you'd be surprised of what things you could write down. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I actually, I think I even still have it in my phone. Because 
whenever she used to give me homeworks like that, I'll, I will say my notes is like full. I have hundreds of notes and a lot of them are just like me, myself talks or things that are just basically on my mind and being an introvert, I'm extremely introverted. I live probably about 90% of my life in my head. So <laughs> if that tells you anything, you can probably... Not her sounding crazy. I know. <laughs> so, and okay, so there was one that I struggled with a lot. Um, and hearing it a lot as like a teenager, people calling me lazy. And that actually, um, like whenever you hear that, especially from people that you hold on very important standards in your life so people who are very important to you kind of speaking to you in a negative manner like that it, it gets to you. you can't help it it gets to you you mm -hmm. know and one of the things that always got to me was being called lazy and it was always said in things that they would want me to participate in that i just did not want to and granted at that time, because I was a I was a I was a teenager, and so I was going through a very depressive episode during those times. And it wasn't it wasn't I wouldn't say that it was that I was lazy lazy. I literally was depressed and I found no interest in doing anything. So it wasn't that I was lazy, I was just not interested. I was very disinterested. I just wanted to be held up in my little hole in my room. And so I started changing those kinds of narratives and I turned them into something positive. So, and I actually, actually have it on here. I found my old note and I had labeled it mindfulness and I started writing things that I had thought about negatively about myself and I started turning them into positive. And I also included more positive ones that I wanted to be, that's what I wanted to be telling myself. Yeah. So if it's not too personal, do you mind sharing exactly what you wrote mm -hmm. on your list so maybe people can get an idea of how to write that list yeah so on my list i have i am enough i am talented i'm creative i'm strong i'm not lazy i'm disinterested i'm not doing anything wrong i don't know what people are thinking of me i believe in me i have faith in me i can do anything and I am proud of myself. Love it. Yeah. It almost sounds like a love letter to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, actually, now that you're bringing that up, I think writing letters, either if it's to someone that you're having conflict with or even just with yourself, because I feel like for the most part, I have a lot of internal conflict with myself, especially with a lot of my past. I've done this and I think that this has helped a lot. I've written letters to myself to and i like to give myself the sense of talking to myself in third person like if i was going through a situation like whenever i was a kid then i would have written a letter from how i am now to myself of whenever i was a kid to i don't even know how to explain it. like I, I guess like i saw myself in a third person like i saw another person another version of me in that child that was me and it was like if i was speaking to myself how i am now to the six-year-old that I was at that time. In a letter. In a letter, yes. And I think that helped to kind of go through a lot of difficult emotions that I, it was just hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. And especially whenever you don't want to share that kind of thing with somebody else, you have yourself to share it with, you know? So I shared it with myself, shared it with my six-year-old six self, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I've done that countless times. I've done that 
for my childhood i've done it for my teenage years i've done it a few times and it's helped me so i mean i encourage other people to do it if it works out for them you know mm -hmm. great that's crazy that you say that was that um thing that nereida told you to do or was that something that you thought or saw on your own she had actually asked me to do a letter for somebody else that i no longer had any form of contact with but i still had a lot of unsaid things to them okay so i wrote the letter out to them and obviously i like i never sent it i just kind of kept it and and it's still there mm -hmm. but then i kind of used that similar technique for other people and i've done it for myself too okay because she actually i had something similar to that but we did it while we were in therapy like in the session and i remember it made me cry so much because it was almost like a guided meditation and you know when for any of you who go to therapy you will understand but it really does feel like your safe zone and when you're in the room with the you know your trusted therapist hopefully you have a good one and you have that good relationship with but if you do when you're in the room with them it just feels so calming and it feels like such a safe space and you feel like you can be a completely vulnerable open box mm -hmm. and so one time i was you know in the session and i can't remember what the particular session was about but she had told me to close my eyes and i said okay you know so i closed my eyes And it was so, it felt, like I said, soothing and quiet and peaceful. And then on top of that, my therapist or our therapist voice is very, very calming mm -hmm. and very soft and very gentle. And so she was kind of guiding me through what she wanted me to think about. And she was basically making me picture my younger self, I believe around the same age, about five, six years old. And she was telling me to remember how I felt at the time, what was hurting, what was affecting me. Like she set the scene, you know, I can't remember word for word and I'm no expert in that area. So I can't talk the same way she does, but she really paint the picture. And I when I had my my eyes closed, like you said, it's almost like I could see myself in third person. Like we were two different people, but mm -hmm. it was me as my younger self and all she said is give her a hug and tell her she's gonna be okay and i remember having my eyes closed and just like i just started bawling crying bro that's making me cry right now yeah she's just like yeah literally just picture yourself but like i said she set the mood and she was just telling me you know remember how you feel because it's those difficult things that you have to do you have to remember how you felt you have to remember the things that hurt you and everything in detail Because I, unfortunately, that's the best way to get rid of it. And, you know, just picture her. And now that you see her, go up to her and give her a big hug. Mm -hmm. Just hug her. Comfort her. And tell her that she's going to be okay. And that everything will be okay. And the hurt will go away. And as she was telling me all of that, I was like, <laughs> stop, you're making me cry, you know? Mm -hmm. But I was just crying. And I felt so sorry for my younger self in that instance because you know it's just like i see your hurt i see your pain but it's going to be okay you're gonna be okay and just like you said i've done that for younger adult me because life never stops giving you <laughs> hardships yep <laughs> and so on the harder things that i've had to go through i've 
she's had me do the same technique. And when I tell you that shit gets me in the heart, like it always makes me cry and it always makes me respect myself more because it gives you a new perspective of, damn, I've been through a lot mm-hmm. and damn, I overcame it because it's not just, oh, I've been through it and I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm stuck and I'm not moving forward. It's no. I've moved forward, I've moved on, I've surpassed all of that, I've worked on it, and I'm proud of myself. So it's so many things that come out of such a simple exercise. Why well, say simple? Because it's easy to picture, but it's very difficult because all these emotions that are suppressed come up to the surface, but ultimately it's just to tell yourself that it's okay, and yeah. you're okay, and it's going to be okay. So it's like you're hurt, And you're comforted at the same time. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But I felt like it has been such an effective technique. And it sounds like we've done the exact same thing, but with different mediums. Right. You wrote a letter and I closed my eyes and pictured it. Mm -hmm. But ultimately the same thing. Right, right. Yeah, she had actually done one similarly with me. Um, She didn't have me close my eyes, but all she said, oh, all she asked me, uh, because we were talking about... Uh, sometime in my teenage years and I was talking about a particular problem that I was going through during that time Mm -hmm. and um, I won't disclose that part because that's a little bit too personal for me but she had asked me she was like if that version of yourself was sitting right next to you what would you tell her and as soon as she asked me I just teared up (laughs) and I'm just tearing up again now I know (laughs) um y'all can't see us but we're over here all teary-eyed yeah (laughs) but um i remember i had because i was sitting um on the couch that she has so i had i had turned to the open spot that was next to me and i envisioned i envisioned that part of myself sitting there right next to me and i told her you're safe and Till this day, um, I still tell myself that. Usually just whenever I'm, mostly whenever I have my panic attacks, kind of tell myself that as kind of like my mantra to help me lower down my heart rate and help me control my breathing to kind of get me to a more controlled, balanced part. Because, um, you know, whenever you're going through a panic attack, you have so much adrenaline rushing through your body. So it's kind of hard to ground yourself a little bit. But and it took me forever to find something that finally worked for me because I I've seen so many different techniques to like ground yourself whenever you're having a panic attack. And I've tried different all a whole bunch of them. I tried one where it tells you to point out. Um, seven things that you see, six things that you hear, and five things that you can feel, something you can smell, uh, something like to focus with your senses to kind of ground you in the moment that you are in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time that didn't really work out for me because there was just so much going on that I could not focus on those questions. So I had finally found something, which is the I'm safe. That helped me ground myself and made me feel safe within my environment. That way I can 
manage through the rest of it. And that's also one of the hard things that I went through. Luckily, there was this one time where <laughs> I was actually in session with Nereida that I was going through a panic attack and she kind of helped me walk through it. And I think that was very important to in that process, having her there. That way I had someone else guide me through it to help me learn from it and to help me manage it in that time because one thing is to do it on your own and whenever it's you're on your own it's kind of hard to do I mean you're literally stuck in your own fear you know it's hard to get out of your own fear whenever you're so I mean it. it's hard to even think right when you're having one of those mm -hmm. you know I just want to say that for anybody who experiences any anxiety or panic attacks anxiety attacks it's going to be okay. And no matter the situation, you'll be safe because you'll always be able to take care of yourself. Sorry. No, no, you're <laughs> fine. Like, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking that we were going to get this emotional today. <laughs> hey, it has to happen sometimes. Yeah. Gotta let it out. Gotta yes. let it out. Yeah, we do. Because we do. that's another thing. I... I have noticed, well, at least for myself, maybe it may not happen this way for others, but it may. Whenever I went through a period, I think for months, because anyone that knows me, I'm a crybaby. If I'm too excited, I cry. If I'm too happy, I cry. If I'm too sad, obviously I cry. If I'm mad, I cry. Like if I feel too much of any, any and I mean any emotion, I cry. Same. When I listen, it's go, it goes as far as to like every time I listen to the I know it's going to sound so corny, but hear me out, y'all. <laughs> Every time I listen to the Wonder Woman theme song, I cry. Every time I watch the No Man Land scene, I cry from Wonder Woman. Like, things like that where I, I just cry for everything. But I went through a period of months where I don't know why I wouldn't allow myself to cry. I just, I was like, no, this is not going to happen. And it was literally like I would, my eyes would like suck up the water before mm -hmm. they came out and i was like no like that one scene from uh cloudy with a chance of meatballs with the police officer he like starts tearing up he was like get back in there it sucks up the tear back up <laughs> yes <laughs> literally but yeah so for months i did not allow myself to cry i was just like no because i almost saw it as like this i'm so weak why am i always crying i'm so weak And so I told myself to be tough, to get through it. I'm not going to cry. Well, I actually started to notice that when I started to do that, my chest started to hurt. Like, you know, where your heart is, I would feel it very, like something wasn't right. You know, you know your body, you know when something's not right. And I just knew something was not right with my heart and or around that particular area. As far as biology speaking, I'm sure I was messing with something because I feel like that's also a way to physically get shit out, you know, right. but emotionally speaking, I felt like I was just building and building and building and building and I was physically hurting myself because like I said, I was hurting on my chest and when I spoke to my therapist and my mom about it, they were telling me that that was actually super unhealthy because I could cause heart problems for myself and that's when my therapist gave me a different perspective and that's when she was telling me that you know crying doesn't make you weak that you have to let it out and that's actually gonna bring me up to my other technique that I think 
this is probably either my number one or my number two techniques of what to use. She gave me the analogy. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. She gave me the analogy of a soda can opening up or not a soda can, soda bottle. She said, when you grab a soda bottle and you shake it up, when you open it, what happens? And when she asked me that, I thought it was a trick question because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, um, it explodes and it all comes out, right? And she was like, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, that's what happens. And she goes, okay, so think of your emotions that way. When you're feeling a lot, a lot of whatever that emotion may be, that's you being the soda bottle and you're shooken up and everything inside is bubbling. If you open it all at once, what's going to happen? It's just going to spill. And she said, when does that happen? That happens when you bottle everything in because you shake a little. She said, you shake maybe one, two. And that's the first suppression. Then something else happens. You suppress it. One, two, another two shakes. And you keep going and going and going and going. And after a certain amount of time, you've shaken up your can so much. If you even try to open it a tad, it's going to explode. She said, so what do you have to do? You have to open a little at a time, you know, and that, and that's exactly what you do. Like not just, you know, emotionally speaking, but like that's what you literally do to the can. When you see all the fizz coming out, you open a little and then you close it back up really quick. Mm -hmm. And that makes the fizz go down. Right. And then you do it again and you have to do it. What? Maybe three, four times. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's exactly what you have to do with your emotions. You feel shooken up perfectly fine. You don't want to explode because that's also not healthy. She said, The exercise that she gave me that worked for me is she said, I want you to grab your phone and put on a timer. She said, whatever feels right for you, but no more, no more than about 10 minutes. So you figure out kind of what works best for you. But for the most part, I believe she said you don't want to do any more than 10 minutes. And so you're going to allow yourself, you know, let's say five minutes at a time. And you're literally going to grab a timer on your phone and you're going to set it for five minutes. And you're going to let it all out, whether that be crying, screaming, punch a pillow, or if you want to go to those like maybe range rooms, throw a few. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> throw a few plates around. And then once that timer goes off, but you have to be disciplined. Once that timer goes off, you're done. And that's when another one comes in. And you put it in your little box, you close the box, and you put it in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And you don't let it affect you. And then the next day, you do it again. You give yourself another five minutes. So it's just like, you know, the can. You open it up a little bit and close it back. Mm -hmm. And you just do a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and just let out your emotions. That way you don't just... Burst. Yes. And I don't know why... I don't know, maybe if it was the right time. Because, you know, sometimes people give you different techniques and you're like, eh. And then you hear it again a few months later. You're like, oh, my gosh, this changed my life. Yeah. I think she just gave it to me at the perfect time because ever since she told me about that, I don't know why it just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I guess because it was a whole thing of crying makes me weak. I don't because I didn't want to spend all day crying because there was times where something would happen and I would spend all freaking day crying. And that's when I would feel like a wuss. Yeah. Like, bro, I cannot be this weak ass bitch crying all day for X, Y, and Z. And that's when she was like, okay, yeah, that's also unhealthy. You cannot spend all day crying and miserable. Allow yourself 
10, five, five, 10 minutes, boom. After that, you're done for the day. Because mm-hmm. you also have to give yourself breaks. It's good to cry, but it's not good to cry all the time, you know? Right, yeah. And so if anybody, or if that technique helps anybody, I do recommend it. Just mm-hmm. a little at a time. And I just, like I said, I'm a visual person. And the fact that I can just imagine my emotions being the soda can or the soda bottle and just opening it, boom, really quick closing and opening it a little and boom, closing it back up. That way all that fizz doesn't come out. I don't know. I just love visual shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess she has been using like a lot of techniques similar to for both of us, actually. Mm-hmm. She didn't give me the one about the soda can, but she did give me the one about the little box because one of my issues is there's so many things that are always on my mind that I just don't I always feel very overwhelmed and it makes me very it increases my anxiety so much because I'm trying to put in a hundred percent of my attention on like 20 different things and that's just not possible you know so what we started working on we started thinking about it on i like to think of everything on a third person perspective so i literally visualize all of my things that i'm trying to focus on i picture them on a line and i'm like okay which ones do are the most urgent which ones do i need to focus on right now and which ones can wait so all the ones that can wait i visualize myself putting them inside the box and i put them aside Whenever she had first told me about it, I was worried. I was just like, but I don't want to ignore the problem. And she had responded, I was like, you're not ignoring it because you know that the issues are there and you're aware of them. You're not ignoring them. You're just setting off them off to the side for the time being until you're ready to deal with those. And right now, because you can't do everything all at once. And so that kind of helped ease me. And so I've been doing that ever since. And then we, we tend to do this part literally at the very beginning of every session <laughs> because with my anxiety, she, she's like, okay, um, what number are you on right now in terms of your anxiety? Because we kind of have like our own like imaginary line where like that's your base, right? And so she she explained it to me like if you are already anxious, you already have a whole bunch of anxiety starting your day and you wake up like you're at a five. So one little inconvenience, you're at a six. Another one, you're a seven. But you didn't start on zero. Right. But I didn't start on zero. So um, she's kind of helped me like, okay, let's manage a little bit of the anxiety. Let's make sure that instead of waking up at a five, at least if you can't wake up at a zero, at a one, at a two, you know, it doesn't, this is one thing, progress is not linear. So even though some days I may wake up at a zero, some other days I can wake up at a two or at a three, but you can still manage it and bring it back down throughout the day. So um, another technique that she did give me was uh, with meditation. She had actually brought this technique up with me in the very beginning. And I tried it once and then it just, it didn't work out for me in the beginning. And it wasn't until probably maybe like seven, eight months after I was already working with her where I tried it again. And this time it 
actually helped me tremendously. So that's what I had started to really focus on, doing meditations, doing a lot of breath work to help manage my anxiety. And so it's helped me a lot through... Um, the way that she explained it to me is anxiety is fear of the future or the unknown. And so whenever you feel anxiety, you're being fearful. So I was carrying a lot of fear within me and doing breath work and meditating on everything that was causing me anxiety helped me bring down that anxiety so it wasn't as, as extreme. And honestly, I feel like that's been shown a lot um, in my physical. And I this is not probably not something that you wouldn't be able to tell off the bat. But I know it because I can feel myself, you know. But before I started going with her and I had super high anxiety. And honestly, I kind of don't mind it. Mind it because something good came out of it. But so with my anxiety, I tend to tense up a lot, particularly a lot in my shoulders. And so whenever I used to have like my shoulders like shrugged up a lot, like there was just so much tension build up on my shoulders, you know. And once I started meditating, I had also already started going to the gym by then. And I was actually working with the coach and he had mentioned to me that my traps which is kind of like the muscle kind of behind like your neck that attaches to your shoulder sort of it was overly developed compared to the rest of like my shoulders (laughs) and so we didn't really have to work on that (laughs) because my anxiety built those muscles for me but you know anxiety being a workout i know but so i mean so something good came out of my anxiety but um regardless like it still needed to be managed because it was just not okay to have that much high of an anxiety throughout the entire day we usually do check-ins i even have like a note on my phone where i do daily check-ins for like my mental health and i kind of rate myself on where I'm waking up on that scale throughout the day and what's like making it move up and down. So kind of keeping track of your progress is a huge, huge help. So a lot of journaling. Yes. Because when I feel like different words have different connotations and people just automatically think of a certain thing. So when people say journaling, I feel like they think of just a diary. Yes, like like, dear Dear diary. diary. (laughs) Yeah. And that brings it to like a girly state. So I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of men and guys are just not open to doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. But it does, it's not like that. Yeah. It literally could be a chart. Mm -hmm. You could make your own chart and make it throughout the days. And I feel like that's, if you're a visual person, that helps a lot because you can see your lines either move up, move Mm -hmm. down, you know, like a linear chart. And you can say like today, my anxiety is at a three. Tomorrow, maybe it'll be at a, you know, two and four and five, whatever. And you track it and you see what it's like. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a lot journaling. Sorry, I just wanted no, 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 to say, good. you know, journaling. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically just to keep track of different things. It doesn't just have to be for one or two things. You can use that technique and 
do it in so many different ways mm -hmm. so many different ways yes and i'll be honest i journal in various types of ways in like i don't have just like one journal where i write everything down no like i have like my phone is my journal i have a journal where i actually write in like i have um like private posts like on my like my social media where only i can see it mm -hmm. but it's me literally spilling my thoughts that's my journal like literally all of that is my journal and there's times where i've go back and i look through them and i'm like wow i've made so much progress and without being able to visually see it you probably wouldn't even tell you know so it's it's helpful to be able to have something physically that you can look back on to see your progress because it honestly it brings you a lot of joy and just like it makes it makes me feel very proud of myself yeah you know that i've come this far that i've made progress right. and that i've made changes and i feel like it could be motivational mm -hmm. because if you're constantly feeling like i haven't made progress today was worse than yesterday but what you don't remember even though today was worse than yesterday today is better than a year ago right mm -hmm. yeah so if like you said if you can see it it just pushes you to keep going right mm-hmm Like, it's, you become your own self-motivation. <laughs> your own cheerleader. Yeah. Go me! Your, your own influencer, if you will. Right. I think uh, one other thing that has helped me particularly is, uh, so another thing that I really wanted to work on was certain relationships that I had. So one in particular was with my mom. And for just a little background, my mom and i did never really had the greatest relationship especially whenever i was late elementary school middle school high school even like in the very beginning of my college years our relationship was just not good at all it was sometimes it would be to the point where we couldn't be in the in the same room without starting arguments and that kind of thing mm -hmm. so it would be to the point where In order to avoid arguments with her, I would just avoid her altogether. And that's very sad. And I hate that that is what happened. But I also didn't want it to stay like that forever either. So I started working through that with Nereida. And so I started making an effort into changing that, how my relationship was with my mom. So um, I'm not sure if y'all remember in previous episodes where we've had my sisters and they've expressed like my mom is not very affectionate, if you will, you know, um, she'll show you that she loves you with her actions. Like she'll literally go and do things for you, but she won't go and give you a hug. She won't tell you I love you or I'm proud of you, that kind of thing. But she'll show you with her actions, you know, mm -hmm. and she'll go above and beyond for you, mm -hmm. you know. And so that was just something very difficult for me to accept. So then I started, I started treating her the way that, I guess in a way, the way that I treated her, uh, the way I started treating her was for me to like show her how I also like to be treated. So in return, I started being more open with her. I started being actually more physically affectionate with her. I would give her 
hugs as well i would start telling her like te quiero mucho or telling her like buenas noches like i would start being more open with her in those terms and then on top of that i started to try and see my mom in a different light because i think a lot of my issue was that was that you know like how you grow up watching your parents you see them as one of your idols someone that they're someone that you look up to you know Mm -hmm. so you stop seeing them as a person you start seeing them as just your mom your dad you know so you're just like in your eyes they're perfect they make no mistakes you know and that's not the case (laughs) especially as kids because we don't know that yet Mm -hmm. we don't see how they have their own shit they're going through right so i started to be more open and try to think back of like what she was going through through all of those times and i started to try to see her as an actual person not as my mom but like as a person outside of being my mom and I tried to see what trouble she was going through to try and understand where she was. And that helped me have more open conversations with her and just be just be more open with her overall. So and apart from like showing her how I like to being shown love, I also started to show her love the way that she also likes to receive it. So the way that she would do so much for us, I started doing the exact same thing for her, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to reciprocate what she had been giving, giving to us all as well. I will say it has not been an easy road to take, but it has been very rewarding because I can say that I'm actually a lot more closer to my mom than I have been in the past 20 years, 20 two years you know Mm -hmm. and it's and i'm really enjoying making these changes with her i've been spending more time with her and just enjoying actually enjoying moments with her you know so compared so if i were to like look at 10 years ago not being able to be in the same room with her now i'm over here and i'm like hey mom let's go for a walk or like do you want to go to the store with me you know like we're together a lot more and we help each other out a lot more we communicate with each other a lot more like it's very rewarding to be able to make those changes however difficult they were and i think that the only part the only reason it was difficult in the beginning was again because of my fear of what if she it's not reciprocated or what if it's not appreciated or what if it's just overall just turned down that was my fear and thankfully i have a very very loving mom so that wasn't the case and she actually ended up reciprocating everything that i was doing and so it's been it's been a beautiful journey so far yeah it sounds like it yeah and i'm glad that you guys were able to get closer because we've actually talked about this in a couple episodes that a relationship between a mom and a daughter is it's difficult it really is so i can relate on certain levels as far as you know going through very very rough patches where it's just like oh my god i'm sorry mom i know you're gonna hear this hopefully you just laugh and (laughs) but you just want to strangle each other bro (laughs) 
slap each other a little. Be quiet. Leave me alone. <laughs> and I know you feel like that about me too, mom. So it's not just one-sided. That's why I say strangle each other. <laughs> Don't come for me. No me pegues. Because at the end of the day, bro, she's still a Mexican mom. She'll still whoop my ass. Patria la chancla. Bro, she'll tell me to this day, no te pases la línea porque te meto tu chanclazo, te, me, te meto tu cachetada. I'm like, bro, chill out. I'm 27. She's like, okay, ¿y? <laughs> Eres mi hija, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, puedes tener 60 años y te meto tu cachetada. I'm like, okay. Bro, I was 17 or 18 the last time she hit me. Yeah? Yeah. Dang. I was like, I'm too damn old for this. I mean, I, yes, I deserved it. Pero si me metió tremenda cachetada. Dang. And every time my mom hits me, bro, I cry so much. Pero por el sentimiento, like, bro, my mom just hit me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, off rant. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm glad to see that you guys are having a better relationship and yeah. that to hear you be excited about it and i'm sure she is too yeah like me as a mom i've said this before but i say it again as a mom you see so many things in a new perspective because you can truly understand your mom in a different way that you haven't before i don't know just seeing life in a different way it just makes me excited for both of you yeah because i'm sure she also feels the exact same way but you know the other mm -hmm. way as to oh my gosh i'm so close to my daughter now and you know whatever she may be thinking but regardless of what she's thinking i'm i know she's happy about it yeah and if am i if you're listening te quiero mucho oh <laughs> uh, yeah. another thing that i worked on in therapy that you kind of brought up but i guess a little different is well no because you said she told you to do it this way is writing letters to someone you know mm-hmm So what she had me do a couple of times is write letters to people that I currently had something going on with that was really affecting my life emotionally and mentally. And like I said, one of the biggest ones has been my biological father. And this was before I started the whole process of, you know, thinking of, okay, yes, I need to start forgiving because it's for me, not for him. So I always still had a lot and I mean a lot of anger towards him. And so what she would have me do is sit down, write a letter, and address it to him. And she said, like, do it literally like you're about to mail it out. Like, write the letter, address it to him, put everything I have in my heart, soul, mind, whatever, on paper. Put it all down on paper. Cuss him out. Say all types of whatever I want to say. Close it. She said, even if you want to go as far as sealing it in an envelope, addressing it to him, and then go burn it. She said, because that's where it's going to stay at. You're going to let it out, and then you're going to burn it. You're going to let the wind take your words, and you're going to drop it. Mm -hmm. Not drop it, but, you know, like, let, let it, it go, go for that moment. Mm -hmm. And she said, do it as many times as you had to. And I've done it for multiple people, not just my father. I've done it for other people who have caused me a lot of hurt. And I also have done it in different ways. It's not always pen and paper. There have been times where, you know, in modern technology and people now have hurt me and to let it go, I type up a message like I'll put up, pull up my notes or sometimes I actually pull up their name. Like I pull up their name on my messages mm -hmm. and like it's like I'm literally texting them and I'll write up a whole fucking book and I'll cuss them out and I tell them you're a POS and I fucking hate you. 
and then I delete the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's not one of the, like, you need to see it in a new way. Because I feel like a lot of us do that. But because we're like, never mind, you're not worth my time. No, you need to get in the mindset of, I am sending you this. I am addressing you this letter, this message, whatever, because I am letting go of it. Because if you just see it as I'm typing in, then I re- erase it because never mind, you're still holding on to it. Yeah. You need to do it with the perspective of I'm sending you all of this like unresolved emotional issues because I want to let it go and I don't want to hold on to it. So mm-hmm. type it up, but don't send it because no. The whole right. purpose is to type it up, get rid of it internally but don't also don't start new issues. Because mm-hmm. if you send that, that's going to start new issues. Right. So type it up. Get it out the way. Get it out of your mind. Take it out of your system. Cuss them out. Call them every book in the name. And then delete it. Mm-hmm. And if that's too much, if you're scared, you're going to hit send. Because I've, I've done that. I'm like, no, what if I do hit send? So uh-huh. then I'll open up my notes. And then it's like I'm addressing them a letter. Like if I'm writing it on pep paper and pen Uh but i'm just typing in in my notes but like i said sometimes that doesn't feel like enough so i literally open up their thread because i have to see their name Mm -hmm. i'm like you fucking piece of shit (laughs) and then i delete it you know but it's like you gotta that's a mental way of letting it go right so that's another one i also wanted to bring up because you did bring it up briefly it's just you took it in a little different way you know yeah yeah but that's another one i've done that has helped with I'm sorry if I had sounded hella ronca. I feel like I need to bring this up. I kind of lost my voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like I sound very ronca. Every time I, I mean, sound a like this, bit, but... I feel like I sound like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? Is that what he says? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, but yeah. Um, if you feel like you have unresolved issues, and that's one of the things that we don't have control over. Because a lot of what we need sometimes to be able to get over something with someone is closure. Mm-hmm. Like you need to sit in front of them, talk it out, tell them your perspective and you want to hear something. When it's like that, I feel like we all get into this mindset of we think they're going to tell us this perfect answer and we're going to get the answer we want. And that's when we are going to be able to let it go. We need to get in the mindset of that it, Whatever they respond to me, whether I can say it or not, it may be the complete opposite of what you're expecting and it make the problem even worse. Mm -hmm. So you have to put it in the box of things I can't, things I don't have control over. You Mm -hmm. don't have to have the conversation with the person. Write out that letter and just let it go. Yeah. And I think this is also a very helpful technique. I've used this technique particularly whenever I have an unresolved issue with someone that I no longer speak with or there's no way for me to communicate with them anymore. Mm-hmm. And not having the option of getting closure from them, it's very difficult to sit with that and to accept that. So the thing it, the thing that I've learned is that sometimes other people can give you closure, but you yourself can give yourself closure. Although those letters aren't for them, they're for you. That way you can let it go. That way you can move on. That way you don't have to feel stuck anymore. I've also, I've only done it twice where I actually uh, wrote out letters or messages to someone hurt me in a sense, but I felt comfortable enough to read it to them because I also wanted to address the issue with them regardless. I also avoid conflict a lot. So having something to read to them rather than just 
speaking at them helped me do that. And luckily the people that I've done it to have been open. And whenever I was speaking with them, I had asked them if I could read out something to them out loud. And they've accepted so I would read the messages to them so that they knew how I felt about whatever they did or said or whatever. And we've been able to resolve those issues. It can be used if you want physical closure with someone, but it can also be used to give yourself closure in general with someone that you don't speak with anymore. Right. Just to get it off your chest and basically move on. Right. Because if, like you said, there's no way to contact them, you just have to be at peace with the fact that that's out of your control Mm -hmm. and you did your part, which is just getting it out of your system, writing it down and then boom. Yeah. You also have to have accountability as far as not accountability, but just be realistic and be okay with the fact that not everyone's going to give you what you need. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times that comes in closure. And like I said, even if you are able to read it to them and more times than not you probably won't even get the response you're expecting Mm -hmm. or a response at all right some people just may read it or just may listen to you and be like okay yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and you have to be okay with that right because at that point and then you're like well no i'm still not okay then you're making it about them and you're letting them control your emotions right Mm -hmm. and then that's a whole thing within itself which is very difficult because you should not put your peace at someone else's mercy that's Mm -hmm. That's unfair to yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love yourself and respect yourself more than that, mm-hmm. which is easier said than done because I'm still learning that part. <laughs> yeah, same, same. And I think we all will, regardless of how well we learn that lesson, in a sense, we're still going to have to learn to continue to learn it and just in different situations and mm-hmm. be reminded of how to make that lesson work for you in that situation. Right. And then learning all of these different techniques has been so, like, such an amazing journey because they're interesting to do, in my opinion, because I just enjoy kind of learning myself and Mm -hmm. learning how different things work for me. What advice would you give to someone that is either in the middle or they're barely beginning their healing journey? I think the biggest or the most common thing I think I tell anybody who comes to me with issues like that is be patient. As cliche as that may sound, be patient with yourself because like we keep saying over and over again, it's a journey that for most takes years Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, I think, have the expectation that, you know, I'm going to use therapy in particular, but there may be other things that they may use, but you know, as a source of getting better. But if let's say therapy is your way to go and the way you're doing it and you don't see any super huge changes within even the first like two, three months, don't be discouraged because it is not a two, three session and then we're done type thing. Like it is years and it takes time so much more. So I think because you have to get to know yourself. We think we know ourselves, but we really don't sometimes Mm -hmm. because we it's very difficult to just sit down with yourself, talk to yourself, get to know yourself. A lot of the times we don't even really know what the issue is. Right. Like if you really sit there and think about it and like, let's say you're really mad. Why are you mad? Mm -hmm. And you may say, oh, because this person said this. Okay, that's the surface of it. Right. But what's everything underneath? Because I promise you that one little thing, if you're internally good, 
it wouldn't even have faced you. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it like pissed you off. Why? Like you got to dig deep for these things. Like, I mean, deep, mm-hmm. you know, like you got to go back to year one. <laughs> like what fucked you up so bad? Not right. just kidding. <laughs> but no, like you read, it's a lot of getting to know yourself. It's a lot, a lot of getting to know yourself and accepting yourself and be accountable for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I guess all that just to say, be patient. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's my biggest advice I give anybody. I'm like, be patient and be open-minded. Yeah. Be open-minded. Because if you go in there, well, this doesn't work. I'm not going to do this. I'm not, it, you're not, it's not going to work. Like right. if you go with the mindset from the get-go, it's not going to work. I want to tell you right now, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You have to be accepting and be ready to make the changes. Right. Because if you're not ready, no matter who says what, you're just not going to make the changes. So you also have to be realistic. And if Mm -hmm. you're not ready, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Just whenever you're ready, start the journey. And if you start the journey thinking you're ready and then you're like, oh, no, I'm not ready yet. That's completely fine, too. But I think it it has to be right time, I think. The right time. Because, yeah, sometimes you may need to be able to hold on to that anger a little bit longer. Because I've done that, mm-hmm. like when I was in therapy and I would tell my therapist, well, my mom says I need to get over this anger, you know, of my dad because it's not healthy. And I would tell her, but I don't think I'm ready. Like, I just need to be angry a little bit longer. I know it's been 20 years, but, you know, mm-hmm. it needs to be another, you know, whatever. And she would tell me, that's fine. Like, if you're not ready, then you're not ready. Because yeah. if you're not ready and you try to open up about it. Nothing's going to happen. Right. And it could make things worse for me in particular because yeah. the more I would talk about him, the more angry I would get. Right. So it's just like thinking about him, talking about him. I would just like, you know, yeah. I would turn into that red guy from Inside Out. Uh-huh. And literally flames. Flames <laughs> would come out of my head. Like I would I would literally turn red because of how angry I would get. And I would mm-hmm. feel my literally, you know, when you get so mad, you're blood boils like I yeah. feel hot inside yeah and so it was like okay I'm really not ready because the more I talk the angrier I get mm-hmm. until finally I decided I decided to make that change but literally that was after like 12 years of mm-hmm. going to therapy and I wasn't actively just working at it so don't think like oh I was trying and trying and trying and nothing until 12 years no mm-hmm. I didn't actively try until I had gone to her for 12 years but in those 12 years i was working on other shit until about that time then i started working on it and then it took me about i want to say maybe a year to two because i was ready you know but yeah just be patient that would be my advice what would be your advice that's actually the one that i had first in mind too mm-hmm. <laughs> being patient but i think another one is be you have to learn how to be very compassionate with yourself and above all forgive yourself too because this is very cliche, but we are our own worst critics. We talk down on ourselves a lot more than other people do on us. We are a lot harder on ourselves than other people are on us. And if you're not nice to yourself, you're it's going to be harder to find that elsewhere. And you have to learn how to be compassionate with yourself and understand your, that you're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes but you also have to learn from those mistakes too. You know, so be compassionate with yourself and forgive yourself for either the mistakes that you made 
or for allowing yourself to be hurt by other people and um, forgive yourself for hurting others too because if you don't forgive yourself you can't move on and you can't you just won't move on from from those mistakes or those lessons and you'll continue to repeat them because ultimately we just we'll try to make it better we'll try to have a different outcome but if we're not moving past those mistakes or those situations ultimately we'll continue to repeat them until you let them go yeah because like you said we're creatures of habit habit. yeah Mm -hmm. we're creatures of habit one other thing is you'll know when you're ready I can't. I don't know how to explain this. I can't tell you how you'll know, but you'll know when you're ready. You'll know when it's time. You'll know when you know. <laughs> yeah, you'll know when. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just, so again, be patient. Be compassionate with yourself. Forgive yourself. And you'll be ready. And seek out help. Whatever mm-hmm. help looks like for you whether it's talking to a friend Mm -hmm. taking on a nature walk exercising clearing your head going to therapy there's millions of ways Mm -hmm. to get help because with all of this we're just on a journey to becoming a better woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you hear the title (laughs) i love when that happens in shows yeah. When they say the title, you're like, you know that meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from his movie and he's sitting down with like a glass and he's yeah, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> when someone brings up like, um, like one time in Breaking Bad, it's because he stopped watching it, but he was like, so what, you're just Breaking Bad? I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and you said the title, you yeah. said the title. Because usually it happens just without one time. Yeah. And sorry, I just had to say it. No, no, no. Becoming a better woman. Yes. <laughs> Becoming a better woman. We're just out here trying to be better people and we're trying to help those who are trying to become better people. Yes. Spread the positivity yes. and positive vibes. <laughs> the positivity, the love, the peace. Now I sound like a true hippie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want the puff community to look like. Yeah. We want it to be peaceful accepting, open, loving, can be a part of it. It's going to be fun. It is fun. You know how? Come to Wayne's World. It's a fairy tale. <laughs> come to the Puff community. It's a fairy tale. <laughs> oh, no, that makes it sound false, too. Join the Puff community. Are we coming up with a slogan now? I'm trying, but nah. <laughs> Homegirl failing at it. <laughs> Join the Puff community. Just do it! (laughs) Yes, that one's good. Oh, one other advice that I do want to say is that I know that it's difficult, especially in the beginning, but it is very, very important to set your own boundaries with people because if you don't set boundaries with people, people will continue to overstep. And especially if you're a giver, and you like to give, 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 people will also love to take, take, take until you have nothing left. And they won't know that you have nothing left. You're the only one that knows that because your own cup will be empty. So you have to make sure that you have enough in your cup to give to yourself first before you can give to other people. And placing a boundary doesn't mean that you're being mean. It just means that you need to that you're taking care of yourself that 
you're prioritizing your own needs and that's not selfish that's one thing that i had to battle with a lot prioritizing my needs but it's okay to say no it's okay to not give it's okay to place boundaries does not mean that you're mean and one thing that i've been trying to work for work towards is that i don't want to be a nice person i'm trying to be a good person and there's a difference and it takes time so again be patient with yourself and love yourself and whatever you do in this life do it with the intention of being a good person love it very good advice Ellie. i think you're ready to be a therapist <laughs> me too <laughs> and i think that's a good spot to stop on that was very peaceful thank you ellie for that beautiful advice <laughs> and thank you guys for listening as always don't forget to follow and turn on your notifications so you guys don't miss an episode you can also find us on all socials at the pub lounge podcast and also make sure to follow us on instagram where you can join us for feedback fridays and our story sundays and we'll see you back here next week for the next episode bye, bye.